I'm Alexander Garrett. Welcome inside to another edition of Keeping It Real with Alexander Garrett. And uh, let me tell you, it's been a crazy week and a week in which what you're not hearing is uh, about DOJ Bill Barr's attempt to unmask the anonymous books. This is why I opened up the podcast with Three Days Grace Anonymous, because look, right now, everybody's on impeachment and talking about Ukraine call and all that. But what about the underlines of what's going on? And I'll give it with Alexander Garrett. We're going to tell you about the underlines. How about the fact that the DOJ is actually making progress to unmask the anonymous book writer? And how does an anonymous book signing happen? How do you go out there as an anonymous person and do a book signing? I don't understand it. Bill Barr doesn't understand it. No one understands it in Washington. That's why there's a hunt to try and track down who this guy is, or girl, or woman, I should say. Uh, So there's that, and I just want to weigh on that. If I'm talking really fast, it's because Michael Potter's on the line. He's from the Next Guy Up podcast. And Michael, you'll dig this next story. Welcome to the podcast, by the way. Thanks for having me, Alex. You're going to dig this next story, because Terry Collin, uh, sorry, Sandy Olson somehow got involved with a New York Times subscription canceling and got it back in the public library in a county in Florida. I know you're reading it up as much as I am. What a crazy thing that he's not going to be the bench coach, but he's saving the New York Times subscription in the local library in Florida. Go figure, right? That's 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 pretty good on. I have a, a journalism degree, so anybody that's willing to save some newspapers um, is definitely a, a gets kudos in my book. Now, Michael is a co-host of the Next Guy Up podcast with his brother, Keith. You guys are open about your brothers, so... We're cousins. We're, we're cousins. Oh, yeah, cousins. We're, absolutely. That. No, that's fine. Yeah, we're... I mean, we're... We might as well be brothers. We're close enough. Uh, but it sounds he's, like it when, when I was on your podcast. Yeah, we, we, he's, he's my older cousin. Um, yeah, we've been doing Next Guy Up for almost two years now, um, slowly growing, and... Uh, finally branching out and that's why i'm so happy to to come and join you on your show and i'm glad you branched out i'm glad i was honored to be on your podcast you guys are as a american hero alexander garrett so together we grow together right absolutely absolutely now, let me stop you on that so you have a journalism degree i mean to me a public library is supposed to facilitate any news source and i ultimately believe that's the library's role what the people in the library or committed to the library, subscribe to the library do, is not their business. Like, if they don't want to agree with the New York Times, that's fine. But don't be the arbitrator of who decides to read the New York Times or not. That's not the library's job. I, I agree 100%. And unfortunately, the um, man, I'm, I'm not much on politics, to be honest. But I, I see the way things go. Um, I don't lean left. I don't lean right. Um, I'm new to your show, so former your listeners definitely don't know. Um, most of mine do. I'm former military, um, but I'm very. I, I lean. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I'm very open-minded. I lean left on way more issues than most people would ever think that I would. Um, just on a on a news basis, the whole point of the news is that the story goes out. Everybody's supposed to have access to everything. Um, and then let the people decide. Let the, the court of public opinion will make their decision after all the facts are laid out for them. Um, and unfortunately, 
news on both sides of that. In my personal opinion, the reason I don't watch news is both of those sides are gone uh, off the rails with this. Um, all your right leaning lean right and all your left leaning lean left. It's really tough to find anybody that's just telling you facts anymore. Well, um, if you want facts, I'm not being sponsored by them, but ProPublica is very good with this. They're they're very investigative. And as of the DC Examiner, those are my two uh, independents aside, you know, because of course we all have to read the times because they're the mainstream guy. We're supposed to rely on them at least most of the time, right? So you still have to read them and see what they're reporting. Then again, go and figure out the facts for yourself, as you say. Right, right. A lot of it at, at this point, a lot of it has to come down to how invested you are in doing personal research. Um, and again, and this is why I, I don't talk politics all that much is I choose not to invest the time into that in my life. Um, I, I get, I, I hear it, I see it, I, you know, when it comes across the screen, I'll read it. Um, but I just, it's, it's, I think they all suck. So like well, both sides, need, both sides, they all suck in my opinion. So that's why we need um, an independent party that, that, that can agree that can get an independence more involved. And I'm going to have a, a person on Sunday on this podcast, talk about just that. We'll tell you about that on Sunday, but Michael, I brought you on because big week for the Mets. Yeah. Sandy Alderson adding to it with this interesting uh, inclusion of himself into this whole fiasco down in Florida. But the Mets have a new manager. And I talked about this on Tuesday. They want to do the whole deja vu thing, the whole turn back the clock with Carlos Beltran. Will it work? I don't know if it will work personally. I, I'm I'm excited to – so if you, KP is the guy that you, you – I wish KP was available tonight. Um, KP, my co-host, he uh, he'll quote May 21st. He he won't stop saying it. May 21st, he said the Mets need to hire Carlos Beltran as their manager. Um, so go to my page. You'll find the audio clips if you go to the Next Guy Up podcast page on Facebook. You'll find the audio clips of him saying it, dated audio clips because he's that proud of himself for predicting <laughs> this back in May. Um, and he is super excited. I'm, I'm actually, I, I do have a bit of excitement in me as well. Um, just because I don't think we're, we're coming off Mickey Calloway, who was, was quite the puppet for, uh, old Brody Van Wagen up in, you know, whatever, whatever Brody said, Mickey did. Um, I think it's, it's going to be really tough to do that. Yeah. It's going to be really tough to do that with a, with a hall of famer. As your coach. Yeah, he was defined by one strike. Unfortunately, his career got defined by that strikeout, but he was a legend here in New York. People forget about that. Or they remember, but they also hold him accountable for that strike three. Can we, would you say that's fair? Or do you think he's totally remembered for that game seven strikeout? Well, he's definitely remembered for the game seven strikeout. Like, I mean, it it, it is what it is. Um, But I remember him as just, probably the best center fielder I ever saw play for the Mets. You know, I'm not going to go crazy and say he's the best ever or any of that nonsense, but he's definitely the best Met in my lifetime to play center field. I I remember, I mean, it it was great watching him play. Um, I'm happy he eventually won a world series with, what he won it with Houston, right? In 17. Um, Yeah. So I was glad to see that he, he did end up with a ring. Um, I wish he would have been, 
I wish it would have been a Met ring. But um, well, Michael, if I'm not mistaken, he was the one that climbed up the hill in Miller Park, Miller Park as a uh, sorry, not Miller Park, Minute Maid Field as a Met, right? Didn't he climb up the hill and catch that ball in center field uh, years ago? Yes, he did some ridiculous running up. They had that goofy hill out in center. Um, for those that don't, it was like a wedge out there. I don't know who came up with that scheme. Um, bad idea though. Um, but he was like running up it and then he almost fell backwards while catching the ball over his shoulder. Uh, it was an incredible catch. It really was. Um, and I mean, he had a great career when he was with the Mets. That was, I mean, it was really his prime. I know he had, I mean, I know he were in the ring with Houston, but he was 40 when he did that. He was more of a, he was, uh, he was pretty much a coach at that point. You know what I mean? Like he was, he, he played a lot, but his role was more of a mentor to the younger guys. He right. Spent his mid, he spent most of his mid 20 or his early late twenties, early thirties with the Mets, um, really cementing his legacy there. One of the few Mets to ever hit over 40 home runs with us. Um, who, you know, was he, who was he mentoring? He was mentoring guys like. Jose Reyes, like David Wright. I mean, those two guys come to mind right away because those were, right. what, their second or first or second years, maybe even third year for Wright. But, uh, you know, another thing that I remember from him, and you might remember this too, I believe he and Delgado hit two grand slams, one grand slam each at Yankee Stadium uh, in a day game. And it was just amazing to watch them hit the Yankees like that. And I'm a Yankee fan, but that was awesome to watch. Those, those um, were some good teams. Those were some fun years for the, the early 20s um, or the early 2000s, not 20s, excuse me. Um, those those were some fun years for the Mets. Uh, they would, the Beltran, Delgado, Reyes when he was in his prime, right when he was still young and healthy. Cliff Floyd, too. Cliff Floyd was there for a little while, yeah. Um, I think Mo Vaughn might have made we, – we, the Mo Vaughn experiment may have happened also. Um, if you'll remember, Mo Vaughn played first base for us for a season or two. That might have been in that same window. Um, we had some and big Mo, bats <laughs> for, well, for a yeah. little while there. And remember, so you guys came out of that dreadful 02, 03, 04, 05 slump uh, with Robbie Alomar, with Burnett's, I should say. And then all of a sudden, these young kids come up, and they change the whole culture. Rick, Willie Randolph changed the whole culture after Art Howe completely just couldn't manage that team. It was bizarre. He had the best players, but he couldn't get a winning team on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and honestly, it really reminds me of the art. How, how days remind me of now again, you know, like going into this next season as a Met fan is, is both amazingly fun and amazingly frustrating. We have a top, we have a four pitcher rotation that most teams would die to have, okay? When you can run out DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, and Mats, four out of every five games. It's going to be a crazy it's, team. It's incredible if they can actually perform, if they can put it together. Again, like, it's it's so it's so weird. We got Pete Alonzo, who is coming off in a tremendous, a rookie of the year, tremendous season. Um, setting here, by the way. And, yeah. But but on Syndergaard, because I'm not worried about the lineup. Actually, I think a, a mature Nemo, a mature Comforto, a mature 
a lot, though. I mean, those three in and itself right. could produce a winning lineup right. here. Uh, but and I guess um, Ramos will be back. I'm not sure the situation on that. But I, I think he's coming back. I, I would imagine he's going to come back. I think he's, I think they have him for another year on contract. And, and that's a great segue because you just mentioned Syndergaard. Do you think, and Degrom? Do you think Syndergaard that whole thing with whether he wanted Nemo or Ramos? psyched out the whole rest of that season was that a big factor going down the stretch i i definitely think it put a, a hitch in things i'd like to think that these guys are professionals and they just show up and play you know what i mean i like to I think agree. that the fans and the media especially new york media they're the worst. i live in north carolina now so i don't i don't have to deal with that nonsense anymore um but i hear keith kp ramble on about it all the time um and he and it drives him nuts too um, I re- the media is the what makes it such a like. I think Ramos was probably like, okay, cool, that'll be my day off. Right. You know, like, okay, good. I need a day off every once in a while. I'm kind of old, right? Like, he's not a spring chicken anymore. It's not his first year in the league. He needs some time off. Great. If every time Syndergaard wants to throw, he, he wants Nemo, put him out there. I'm good with that. You know. Um, and I think that the within the clubhouse, I think it was less of a a thing than we all made it out to be. Now, did it cause some distractions? Absolutely. There's no way it couldn't have. Um, but Callaway having to answer for this almost every five days about whether it was going to be right. And meanwhile, you know, uh, what people don't remember, speaking of locker room, is that once uh, Vargas, Jason Vargas, was traded, the Mets' fortunes turned around. You talk about a clubhouse problem he was the clubhouse problem this past year not the ramos syndergaard but yet not many people blew up on that as much as they did the whole ramos syndergaard nobody even highlighted the fact that once jason vargas was gone the mets had a better culture in that system in that locker room we did get better and philly fell apart i don't know if it coincides but it is what it is um yeah it's true once that trade was made the phillies kind of they ran out of their luck, and I think you have two hotheads down there now, and Vargas and Harper. There's no way right. around. And the that. promise with it, and the pro- the biggest problem with Vargas is, is he doesn't have the stuff to be a mouthpiece. He was a mediocre pitcher at best, you know, like, and he ran his mouth off like he was a like he was in the running for the Cy Young. Um, we were lucky if we could get four innings out of the guy. That that bothered me more than anything. It's that like. If it was DeGrom, mm-hmm. who, who's Cy Young caliber every year, a clear ace, a number one on any team in baseball. If he gets traded to any team in baseball, he's their number one, right? You get That's a little true. bit more – you get a little more leeway with how much you get to run your mouth. When you're the number five starter that barely goes four innings, like just be happy you're collecting a check mm-hmm. and do your job. That's it. That's all. That's your only job. Just go out there and pitch every fifth day and collect your check and smile. Don't cause distractions. You're not allowed. You're not good enough to cause distractions. You, Syndergaard is good enough to cause distractions when he wants to be. He, he gets hot and cold, too. And by the way, uh, Syndergaard was not shy in voicing his thoughts on the two girls that flashed the World Series. I thought that was an interesting tweet. He put out, and I guess Syndergaard is great on Twitter. 
If you and I know, I'm guessing your podcast leans your your sports fans lean a little heavy Yankee. Follow we, even we if you I even know, if you hate the Mets, follow Syndergaard on Twitter. He is hysterical. He 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 knows how to to work the Twitter. It's it's by the way, awesome. you guys should be also followed because I've seen replies by Lenny Dykstra. Did I see that correctly during the World Series? Michael? Yeah, Keith and Keith and Lenny get into it every once in a while. I don't know how. Now, granted, Lenny Dykstra is an absolute maniac. Okay, um, <laughs> we actually we asked him to come on the podcast. He wanted like three grand, and we were like, Lenny, we're not giving you three grand. Like, there's no way, not for Lenny Dykstra. You know, um, especially if it goes to his addiction. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It and it would just be Lenny yelling into a mic for an hour. Like we wouldn't even talk. I guarantee he would just randomly spout nonsense for an hour. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, him and KP tend to they they can ban, they banter back and forth a little bit, um, which is always fun to see when when him and when him and old nails get into it. It's it gets pretty good. Now, Michael, you guys, where can we follow you on Twitter, by the way? So on Twitter, I have it actually pulled up because I always screw my own up. I am at ngu, which is next guy up, ngu underscore cousin Mike, um, and then KP. Keith KP, he's at KP underscore next guy up. Um, that's the and main next guy up podcast, you know. Um, we're also on Facebook. You can find us at the next guy up podcast. Um, Which you'll is see part of the LISM usual, faces. we have a lot of connections there too. So yeah. yeah, and then and you can get our podcast anywhere that you anywhere that you download podcasts. Um, Apple, uh, Stitcher, I you know, we we run the gamut. Um, if you you know. Um, Spotify, I think we're on Spotify. So pretty much anywhere you download the podcast you're listening to now, you'll you're bound to find me and uh, the next guy up crew. So if I'm not mistaken, on Wednesday nights you do this podcast, and this was the first Wednesday since the Nationals won the World Series. And when I was on your podcast, we all agreed no way the Nationals beat the Dodgers. That was the first big thing that yeah. broke our brackets and sure enough through the scrappiness they did and i tell you well what were your thoughts on this whole playoffs leading into the world series and the nationals incredible game seven victory what were your thoughts so something I, I'm, I'm not really sure what happened with the nationals or who talked to them um they played so good this year especially when their back was up against it i mean I, I didn't think they were going to make make it through the playing game. They were going up against. They were down what two, three runs, and Josh Hader's coming in Mil, from Milwaukee, one of the best closers all season, and they knock him out, and they move on. Well, and not only did they knock him out, Juan Soto, who was the youngest player, and you didn't see any Fox stats, the youngest player to do this, that, and the other. In the, in yeah, the just about everything. Just, just about, about everything. everything. Um, did it in game in that wild card game and that propelled them. But again, as they backed against the wall in at Los Angeles, then Kendry Morales, I think he was the one that hit that grand slam. If I'm not mistaken. Yep, he hit the grand slam. And by the way, he he had a devastating injury they were reporting on earlier in 2018, which could have threatened his whole career. But now he's a champion. So go figure. That's that's the yeah. will of a baseball player right there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know he he played it. I mean, he had some huge hits. He had some huge hits. He had that hit in 
was it game six or game five? No, it must have been game six because the Nats won game six. Um, he had the home run that hit the foul pole. That's right. Went, you know, and to they were losing two one, one guy on. Uh, they the the Astros go to the bullpen and take out. Um, they pulled. Who is the guy I hate? Man, what's his huh. name? Uh, uh, I'm sure seven. I. Yeah. Um, who started Game Six? Was it uh? Oh, he had such a great game too. Hold on, I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling it up. It was uh. No, it wasn't. Okay, so it couldn't have. Was it Verlander? No, it was Verlander came out in the seventh. I don't know, but whoever came, whoever they pulled out Grinky? the starter who was Grinky? dealing. Grinky. It was the game that Grinky got pulled. Um, it was the game that Grinky got pulled. He was dealing. He gave up. <coughs> oh, excuse me. He gave up the solo shot, and then he walked a guy. They were up. They were up two nothing. He gave up the solo shot to make it two one. Then he walked in Juan Soto. I think he walked Juan Soto actually. And then they went to the pen for Will Harris. And sh- sure enough, three two Nats and they didn't look back. Well, where the Nationals differentiate from the Yankees to begin with was that. They could play some small ball. I feel like the Yankees and Astros were similar in that they could, they really relied on the long ball. The Astros did as well. But the Nationals came in with a different dynamic. And I, when I saw them, uh, when I saw the Yanks and Astros after the game, I said, you know what? It'll be a very interesting series for either team. Like, neither team was a definite lock to beat the Nationals. And they, the Nationals proved that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was game seven. I don't know why I didn't realize that. It was game seven. Grinky went six and a third. Um, he only gave up two of, hits. So, What did you think of Garrett Cole's stuff? You know, obviously he wasn't using game seven. But then just, well, I'm not an employee of the team. That's the most stupidest thing to say. After yeah. He lost the world I mean, that's a little, it's a little on the immature side for me. I don't know. I just... Like, these guys get to be professionals doing something that all of us dreamed that we could do for a profession. Sure. Like, don't be a jerk about it. Like, enjoy it. Do do it for the fans, at least. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. What did you I think of put a bad not going to him in the long run? I mean, the, he was mocked on Twitter pretty badly. Someone said, oh, he must be waiting for game eight to use Garrett Cole. I read that tweet. I and mean, I'm like, oh, yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty uh, bad. He looked bad not going to Cole in that situation. He did. He did. And I, I, I mean, his explanation was that he didn't want to bring Cole in in a relief situation. He wanted to start Cole in an inning where they had the lead or it was tied, and you know he could start the inning because Cole had never pitched in relief. And I, I get that. I do. I get that philosophy. But at the same time, like. This is all you got. Like, this is it. This is game seven. It, it was the seven. There's two and a half innings of baseball left for the right. season. You know? Um, I, I think it's it was probably. An, <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and of course, in hindsight, and of course, in hindsight now, we're like, it was the worst move ever, right? Because Will Harris comes in. He gives up the shot to to give up the lead. You know, he didn't. Will Harris didn't even record an out. Two hits. Yeah. One of them was the home run. You know what I mean? Um, and then Osuna didn't do much better. Like, so it was, uh, yeah, it, it was hindsight is definitely a bad call at the moment. I kind of get it, but 
it, I don't know why he didn't bring him in in the eighth to start the eighth. That's what I don't get. Like, I get not using him in the seventh, in the middle of the inning, with a guy on second. Why wouldn't you bring him in in the eighth, though? And at least make sure the game stays 3-2. At least then you have a chance, you know? The game really right, got away from it, you know? Right, they blew it wide open to 7-2, I believe, was the final there. Yeah, 6-2 was the, six, two six, was the final. But they And they scored all six runs in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. And that's how so, they won the whole series every way, every step of the way, right? The late inning heroics by all these oh, guys. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. obviously, I see your Mets logo on the Skype, so obviously you're a big Mets fan. <laughs> um, what was the Met community saying? Because some of my Mets fans were like, pissed at the Nationals won. Others were like, you know what, good for them. What, what side of the fence were you on, and what were you seeing your uh, community saying? The whole series. Um, I'm I tend to lean towards so I'm the big I'm I'm a true Met fan I'm a skeptic right like I I go into every season like man if we win if we win 80 games it was a good year you know like that's my my threshold I set my bar super low so I'm never disappointed um I, I was kind of happy to see the Nationals win it um it, it was they're a good group of guys they're a good group of players I followed Steven Strasburg. Like, when Steven Strasburg came into the league, he was, you know, he was everything. Like, I followed his whole career. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see him finally get there. Um, nobody sure, deserved it more than Anthony. Yeah. You know, a lot yeah. of yeah. battling back. Tons. And, and nobody deserved it more this year than Anthony Rendon. Like, he had an amazing season. The only way to t- top his season off properly is with a ring. You know, Juan Soto, who, and his, I don't know if it's his second or his third year, um, he's he's growing into a hell of a baseball player, and then you have as Drupal Cabrera, who up until this year was a Met, you know. Um, and I liked him. I really liked as Drupal Cabrera when he was a Met. Um, I liked him when he was an Indian. Um, so it was good to see these guys that like I enjoy watching play play the game. Trey Turner is one of my favorite players right now. Um, the speed, just the speed and the the hitting for contact, the small ball that he can play um, is, is fantastic to watch. So it, I was happy for him. I was. Um, well, and one guy you're, you're kind of leaving out that I was impressed was Ryan Zimmerman. I mean, the guy was really, he was there the first year of the Nationals yeah. in 2005. And yeah. good for them. Him and Strasburg, of course, the immediate weekend following, Strasburg drops out. Then they decline the Ryan Zimmerman option, which... We'll see how those play out down the road. Well, it's still business. It's still okay. business, you know. Um, I I don't know if I I honestly I thought Strasburg was gonna opt in, um, because it was a huge payday for him. It's not like he was opting in on a on a on a on a deal. Like it was it was gonna be a good paycheck, but I think he's gonna get a better one somewhere. Um, and it may still be with the Nationals. I doubt it, but it you know. I think I read they, somewhere where the Padres are eyeing him or something like that. I, I could be wrong, but. Some of these teams are definitely going to. I expect I expect the Padres to spend a lot of money again this offseason. I really do. Um, they spent a lot of money to get Machado. They spent a lot of money to get Hosmer. They they've spent too much money these past couple seasons not to continue building it to try it. Like their goal is the World Series. It really is. It's to knock it's to knock the Dodgers off their NL West pedestal and 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 take over and. The only way they're doing that is by spending more money. I mean, they have a crazy, they have a great farm system, 
but that takes time and they've invested yeah. money in veterans at this point with Machado and Hosmer. You know, that's where all your money's tied Two up. Solid in, so. leaders, though. I mean, I, I don't know. They just they couldn't put it all together last year. And last year was rough. We, we, we did a show at the All-Star break or right after the All-Star break last year about how many of your mainstay names didn't make the All-Star game this year. Hmm. And Hosmer and Machado were two of them that just they, they never got hot this year. Um, Harper didn't make it. You know, like, I mean, there were some big names this year. There were nowhere to be found come All-Star break, and it was really surprising. So we'll have to see. Obviously, the Yankees now are scrambling to defend themselves of why they didn't sign Cole and everybody last offseason. We'll have to see what they do this offseason. Look, I don't want Michael Potter. I do not want Giancarlo Stanton saying, oh, we need more stars. Look, pal, you barely you barely do much at the plate to begin with. <laughs> you know, I, I think you're the last person we could hear from. And you know what? I comment on the WFA message board. Anybody that thought Brian Cashman should be fired for getting the game uh, six of the ALCS again, look, you're out of your mind. Stop. I understand why you call WFAN. By the way, Mike Francesa will not be there, I guess, after next month. Crazy stuff there. But Cashman should not be blamed for this loss. Wouldn't you agree? I agree 100%. I mean, the the Yankees always put one of the best, like, top-to-bottom rosters on the field every year. Uh, actually, I, I would love it if they fired Cashman and the Mets would go get him. That would make my day. Like, the man knows how to put together a baseball team. He really does. Um, it also helps and a bit of jealousy that the Yankees are willing to spend money. You know, which some of the Mets aren't willing to do. Um, but well, you must get tired of when they say, "Well, Madoff ripped us off." Well, that was ten years ago, dude. You couldn't spend. Yeah, it's getting it's getting a little old now. It's getting a little old. Um, and he did, but it's uh, yeah, it's, that was last decade. Like, yeah. open your wallets. I'm sure you've made most of that back by now. And speaking uh, of decades, people were really really shocked the Yankees didn't make it. But you know what? This decade was a different era for baseball if you look at the 2010s i feel like you had a different bunch of winners this year uh this decade i should say you had the red sox in 2013 but you had the giants in 2010 2012 2014 you didn't have your 1999 al or nl teams that the yankees rolled over you had solid teams every single year and this is what baseball needs and wants which is parity Right. Right. And and they're getting there. I really feel like they're getting there. Um, and especially with some of the smaller market teams that are really making pushes. Tampa Bay made a hell of a push this year and they can barely put people in the stands. Um, San Diego's going to be good in the not so distant future. It's it's almost impossible for them not to be. Um, Milwaukee has been becoming more of a mainstay at the top of that NL Central than they ever have in my lifetime. Um well, I joined you the night after the Brewers got knocked out of the wild card, I remember, on the uh, right. Next Guy podcast. And I still said that despite the fact that they did lose Yelich, this team went 15-2 and two after his injury, which was pretty remarkable considering all the stock that was put into the amazing year of Christian Yelich. Yeah, and, and they had everybody st- – when Yelich went down, everyone else stepped up. Everyone else stepped up to make sure that they made the, the playoffs. And really, like, you need – baseball is one of the 
one of the few sports. If not everybody's stepping up and playing to their fullest, it doesn't matter who what the names on their backs are. Like Stanton had a pretty crappy season for all. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, granted he was hurt for most of it, right? I would say most of the season he was hurt. Um, Judge was hurt. You guys went through. I think <laughs> it was. It's amazing how many games you won with what your injured list looked like. Um, right. Your injured list looked like an all-star roster most of the time. Um, and that's why people were so, saying that Gio was not performing as well in the postseason. But he's a rookie. What can you really expect on that big stage from him? As good as a regular season he had, to expect a whole bunch more is typical New York. But it's also like, all right, well, he's a rookie still. Let's remember that. Right, right. And he's going to be good. He's going to be really good for you guys. By the way, Michael Potter, thank you for spending this Friday night with us. One more round of questions for you. The first one is, baseball is done. I know you guys are going to follow the hot stove on the next guy up. But tell me you're following football and other sports to keep your fans occupied throughout the rest Abs- of the Absolutely. Absolutely. So we break down football. We're, we're a little football heavy right now um, just because it's so early in the hockey season. Um so we're a little we're a little more football heavy right now. We we did a pretty deep dive, and actually the last two weeks we've had um, guests on one who's uh, came on to talk about the San Francisco 49ers and what's going on with mm-hmm. over over in San Francisco and how they're putting that together. Um, and then just yesterday, uh, just this past week, uh, we had a guy from Buffalo on because the Bills are are doing some are turning some heads up in Buffalo, um, which and I'm a Jets fan, so mm-hmm. for me to you know. For me to have a Bills fan on to talk, um, we, we try and keep it. Yes, we lean heavy New York, Jets, Giants, um, Rangers, Islanders. I, actually, Keats, Giants, and Islanders. I'm Jets and Rangers. Um, yeah, Rangers. I love that. Rangers. Yeah, I actually, I got this. I saw that. I was at, so like I mentioned earlier, I live in Carolina. Um, I live in North Carolina now. I was at the Carolina. I was at the game last night, um, and, and Lundquist was lights out. Very was, strange back-to-back games. I mean, you have the Red Wings up here, and then you go down there. But, hey, Rangers won both. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, they're 3-1 and one to start November. But uh, like you, I don't get into this until January when I feel like that's when the playoff race really starts to form. Right, right. It's it's so early in the hockey season right now. Um, so we touch on it a little. We touch on a little bit of hockey every week. Uh, but really only like, like the Islanders going on a 10-game win streak. We touched on that because that's news, you know, um, and hey, that, that's the, about it. So, What are the odds that this game this weekend ends in a tie for both teams, the Jets and the Giants? I mean, that would just be the epitome of the, the seasons. That both I, have this year. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and, and being so uh, the Potter curse, right? I, I never pick my own team ever. Because if I pick them, they're going to lose. So when we did our picks at the end of at the end of Wednesday's podcast, I took the Giants by a field goal, um, and Keith took the Jets, and he's the Giants fan. So neither of us were willing to pick our own team. Um, Keith said it's going to be a really clean, low-scoring game. I said uh, the Giants were going to fumble five times, but Sam Darnold's going to throw six interceptions. So I think it's just going to be a, the ball's just going to be all over the place, everywhere where it's not supposed to be. Um, I think you're going to see some crazy, ridiculous stuff that is just going to. And all in the negative, like because they both right. stink at this point. Right. So it's just going to be a disaster. Um, and, and a disaster ending in a tie, 
That would be I. You know what? I'm gonna rebot just for you, Alex. It's mm-hmm. gonna be a zero-zero tie. That's my call. They're not even gonna score. Nothing, nothing. Tie game. Zeros across the board. They're just gonna right. work the middle of the field and keep turning it over to each other. They're not even gonna get in field goal range. And if we're right, that's the best bet I never made. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but Michael, again, Michael Potter, next next guy up podcast, right? Not next yep. man up. Absolutely, next guy up. Next man up. But uh, but next guy up podcast covering everything, mainly baseball. But once we get winter, hot stove, football, and bat. Well, hockey and basketball, I guess, in that order. Order. So. Yeah, rarely basketball. It has to be a legitimate story for us to cover basketball, where that's not really our thing. Um, right now, you'll hear a lot of football talk. Uh, in about a month or two, uh, about two months, you'll hear a lot more uh, hockey talk. Again, anything important that happens in baseball, you're going to hear that. Um, so we always find a way to talk baseball. So, and and we and just like you're having me on, we love having guests on. I'm sure you'll join us again um, at some point. Well, if this thing happens, no matter what, maybe I'll drink. If you want me Tuesday, that'd be great. Uh, Wednesday, that'd be great to talk about the whole Snoopy Bowl, as someone called it, between the Jets yes. and the Giants. Yeah, we we could we could definitely look into doing that. So, um, it, it's it's always fun. Um, again, Facebook, it's Next Guy Up, the Next Guy Up podcast uh, at at ngu underscore cousin Mike is me. And at KP underscore next guy up is KP or Keith. Um, and that's, you can find us everywhere that podcasts are heard. All right. By the way, I still had a Gary Cohen for you because I'll be working with him at Seton Hall all season long. So I'll be sure. Get, to him, get him to follow me on Twitter. <laughs> I will. All right. Hey, Keith uh, and Michael, well, Michael tonight. Thanks for joining me. And we'll talk to you soon. Stay warm. It's freezing all of a sudden, like November comes and we're in a deep freeze now. So stay warm and have a great weekend and uh, Veterans Day weekend. Thank you for your service and God bless you, man. Absolutely, Alex. Thanks for having me and you have a great show, okay? Thank you. Bye now. I'm Alexander Garrett, keeping it real this Friday night. Talk to you tomorrow.